0: The Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, Editor of Lloyd's List. Liquefied natural gas is still the one bright spot that investors want to talk about in shipping. Around $200 billion in projects across the globe from Australia to the United States are racing to be approved over the next few years, vying to provide around 65 million tonnes of new supplies that are needed by 2025. In fact, so successful is this gold rush towards LNG investment that it may end up being too much. Some analysts are now predicting a supply glut from 2025. Before we get there, we have the minor issue of the China-US trade war to contend with. Developers are slowing the sanctioning of new LNG export capacity in the US on the back of the escalating trade spat with China, which is going to hold back the US from overtaking Qatar as the world's largest LNG exporter. On the other hand, Australia's LNG sector is making the most of its current status as the net beneficiary of the US-China tariff trade war. LNG importers now consider Australia to be a little more favorable as a supply source, both politically and economically, following China's move to raise tariffs on imports of the fuel from the U.S. It's a complicated picture with few easy answers. So I am delighted to say that our resident LNG expert, We Hui, Hui Tan, is on the phone from Singapore this week to discuss the latest LNG trends. Welcome to the podcast, Wee.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: You spent a little bit of time recently out in Australia. You were at one of the biggest gas conferences uh, over the year. Give us a little flavour of uh, you know, the themes that were emanating from that this year. Because, I mean, it was a really interesting discussion.
1: Right. Uh, th- that will be APR 2019. This edition is interesting because uh, you see that uh, Australia LNG is at a crossroad. What I mean by that is the fact that um, Australia itself is still, of course, ramping up on exports and the first wave of greenfield projects. When you say when we say greenfield, it means that um, there are new export terminals that were built. They are more or less nearing completion because Prelude FLNG, that's the latest one, mm. to to come on stream has already exported its first LNG just last week. So it's at the crossroad because right now it's supposed to be overtaking Qatar, but at the same time it faces challenge from US LNG, very strong challenge indeed. And the question also is whether Australia should be still competitive enough because the first wave of projects have proved to be costly. Mm. There were like huge cost overruns. Uh, you have seen like in the teens of billions of dollars in cost overruns for some of the high-profile projects like Chevron's projects and also impacts ETs. Well, at the same time that just at API itself, one uh, huge agenda is whether Australia East Coast right now is facing imminent gas shortage and the residents and the industries there are it's paying in terms of absorbent,
0: domestic supply?
1: Yes, absorbent gas prices. So mm. there are questions raised also whether Australia should still ramp up on exports. But the reality is um, a lot of new projects, new as in, they could be brownfield as an extension of the of capacities on the, the existing projects that are already in production. Mm. They are like in the West Coast. And there is an issue of the pipeline infrastructure not able to transport at relatively cost effective manner to to the east coast where you've got like the big cities of sydney and melbourne Mm. and that's the once thriving industries i say once is because recently there's been a lot talk about plants getting shut in dow chemical just shut in one of the plants in the state of victoria where melbourne is uh, which is home to Melbourne. So so there are questions right now whether Australia should start importing LNG. And of course, the domestic oil and gas producers would say no. And then at the same time, you've got the issue of greenhouse gas emission because Australia has committed to very ambitious target slashing emission by 26% on 2005 levels by 2030. So, so all these things are taking into consideration. So Australia has an uphill challenge. But what is helping the picture is, of course, you've got the US and China trade spec that's still ongoing. So there is already talked that uh, although Australia, some of the new capacities like Pluto and Scarborough of uh, Woodside Energy, they're not uh, due for FID, final investment decision soon. In fact, actually later than some of the U.S. LNG projects. So there's been talk that maybe Australia can catch up on the, in the red race to supply to China. But at the same time, you have the issue of the industries faltering because gas prices have really increased by a lot to the extent which local residents and, and the industry buyers now are really like shouting out for help. Yeah. So that is one issue, but... At the other hand of the spectrum is Australia obviously wants to have the glory of being crowned the LNG exporter, the top LNG exporter, obviously. Everybody mm. would, uh, every country would want that, you know. So, so, so there is there are a lot of things to balance. And at the same time, there are, of course, businesses that have a lot of, with a lot of vested Chinese interests. They are sort of like the proxies to the uh, what the Chinese LNG buyers may be thinking, you know, right. because Chinese LNG buyers have not come out to say anything. But if you listen to uh, what was said at Apia, you know, when Centos were and Origin Energy were probed on what they think the prospects may be in increasing exports to China. So this oil and gas producers, right, are uh, sort of like downplaying the net benefits they may draw from yeah. US LNG trade spec.
0: I mean, it was was coming through loud and clear from your reporting from the event where you had, you know, LNG big guns like Woodside standing up and, you know, really selling the competitive nature of of, of Australian energy cost wise against the trade war tariff issues of, of other supply routes. And, you know, there was obviously a huge amount of marketing going on as you get at such events. But they were also very much um, playing the political card there and saying, you know, you can't use these uh, these investments as, as a, a political negotiating tool. So, I mean, it's not just a question of the basic market economics here. We're dealing with so macro politics. Uh,
1: yeah, you're right. What we are seeing for Australia LNG, right, is as much as there's a crossroad for Australia LNG, but there's a crossroad, uh, is, is also, the global LNG industry is also at the crossroad. By that, I mean, Historically, LNG has been a a lot more, the deals are negotiated in a more commercial manner. The reason Australia risen through the ranks, because then the the idea is Australia could be an alternative to Qatar and shipping-wise is a lot more accessible and is considered politically stable, the regime. And then, of course, that was before the cost overruns, the massive cost overruns that we have seen. Mm. So, so Australian LNG has been negotiated in a very commercial manner. And today what we're seeing right now, right, if we draw inference from, from what Chenier Energy has said, or in general, the reports about the Chenier deal with Sinopec Mm. is wrapped up in the US-China trade talks, which may not serve the interests of LNG exporters at all because obviously you have the Huawei ban that's still being played out and then now recently heightened tension over Iran between the US and China. So where is this going? Where, where is this leading US LNG in that sense?
0: Yes, so, I mean this is uh, this is an interesting conversation that you and I have, have put off. We've been planning uh, to have this conversation for the podcast for several weeks but each week we have sizable macro political and security events happening that seem to change the picture of this conversation. And the point is, you're dealing with long term investment strategies and decisions versus, you know, relatively short term and very fast paced influential macroeconomic events happening around this. And we've kind of got to try and look a little bit more to the long-term game with LNG than we otherwise might have. But in the meantime, of course, people need to make decisions. So it's it's a very tricky balancing act looking at who's going to be the net beneficiary down the line on these
1: projects. I think at the moment, if we take the proxies of Chinese LNG buyers, by that I mean, let's say if I just highlight what uh, Origin and CentOS have said, when, when we probe them about the trade tension, between the two superpowers yeah. so the rhetoric seems to be pointing to the fact that I think there is still interest from the Chinese buyer side that they would like to see some resolution soon in this trade spat and hopefully positive resolution and they will open up doors for them to the Henry Hart index US LNG mm-hmm. because today the LNG market is all about like balancing the portfolio between the historically oil linked prices now moving away from oil linked, uh, but still higher prices of LNG source, basically in Asia Pacific, including Qatar versus the Henry Hub ones from uh, the U S now I have to qualify that because in terms of the cost of production and liquefaction, the U S side may not be lower than some low cost producers like Qatar. But the issue is that the market in Asia can drive the spot prices up a lot. And today, that's why I say it's also a crossroad for LNG market as a whole. LNG market is getting more liquid and there are a lot of reports comparing LNG today to when decades or years ago when oil was about to also get very commoditized, when when it's like heavily traded as spot on spot markets. Mm-hmm. So this is where we are today, and US has a lot to do with it because US brought different indexed category of cargoes to the market, and that is flexible destination. Mm-hmm. That means you do not have a lockdown fixed destinations. You the buyers can get to divert the cargoes. And that's, that's also forcing the Australian producers to look at probably introducing some of these mechanisms. They didn't say out li- outright uh, in that sense during the APR um, proceedings, but there have been reports coming out from Australia to say that Australian producers are also trying to portion out certain volumes from the new projects or new capacities plan mm. to be traded on the spot market. So. Today as we stand is it's actually good news, I think, overall for shipping. Because then ships can really move about and then there will be arbitrage opportunities and all that. But it's not necessary in heading north. Anytime it could head south. Mm. Uh, today, as we stand, there have been reports saying that yes, the rates have come off by a lot in the spot market, um, to forty thousand dollars per day, and then mm. versus say two hundred thousand. Last year at the peak, but the thing is, there there's been talk that this would improve very shortly because the LG shipping capacity is still considered tight. Well,
0: considered I, this tight. is what I wanted to ask you. So, you know, ignoring the uh, the near term tension, we've we've had a couple of reports recently looking beyond 2025. So, I want you to you know cast your expert eye a little bit more long term. Get your crystal ball out. Do you think? beyond 2025 we are going to have a supply glut i think it's going to be imbalanced i think you know where, where do you see, see things leveling out here
1: i think there are a lot of uh, variables here we have to consider one is of course how the us china trade tension may pan out but even if we take that into consideration there is it is factual to say that today as we stand right because of cop21 and the move towards lower carbon economies so in general it's inevitable that demand for lng will go up and at the same time that's helped by possible new demand requirements from like lng bunkering markets Mm. although it's still growing very slowly that being the case i would reckon that demand is still growing yes and that is something that is different from because there's been talk that lng shipping could see a glut also because there's a lot of investment in new building. Mm. Now, this has actually happened earlier this decade, late last decade, when there were plenty of investments also going into LNG shipbuilding. But here today, as we stand, we, we are really seeing different dynamics at play because LNG is widely seen, for some reason or other, as the bridging fossil fuel that will comply with COP21. COP21 goals to some extent. So because of this, it's, it's difficult to say, you know, whether or not um, the US projects will take off in a big way because if the market gets that liquid and cargos can be traded a lot freer on spot markets, then US origin LNG can still land
0: okay. in
1: North Asia, Northeast Asia, where, where the demand center is. So we can still see Project sanctioned, and there's been talk that a few big ones will still be sanctioned. But at the same time, we have to also consider that that is the demand side. And then there is also the issue of course, but demand, whether it will pan out as expected because there will be seasonal fluctuations Mm. and it will still recur every year, like summer, winter and winter demand will be strong because of some reason and because there's more spot trading, it's more difficult for the suppliers also to plan because their supplies will be flowing into the market and they, they cannot have so much visibility anymore and control anymore over the supply situation. So it's very difficult to say, but it's the only thing that's probably for certain is the market will fluctuate more in the coming years because it's getting more liquid.
0: All the more reason that we need you reporting uh, on a daily basis on the LNG market. We're going to have to wrap it up there, but um, for now, Hui Hui Tan, our Singapore correspondent, LNG expert, thank you very much for joining the Lawyer's List podcast.
1: Thank you.